Don Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt Bernard, and Mike Molina. And we'll be right back. Kick off hour two, Tom Bernard Show. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional bodywork costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. my favorite songs of all time. Really? Well, you guys bought me the lyrics to put up by my bedroom door. I don't know, but I know it's one of your favorite of all time. Oh, I love this song. Hey, I'm one of the only people that doesn't have, like, a favorite band or a favorite song. Yeah, I don't at all. I, I like so many songs and so yeah. many musicians that uh, I just can't pick a... But, I mean, I like some more than others, but I don't have favorites. I've never had a favorite anything, really. Tell you what, that's my I've favorite. I've never had a favorite anything. What's that? No, my favorite Beatle right there, George. The quiet one. Yeah, George. I think George was actually a really decent human being. I think he actually was. Maybe, I don't know. He and Ringo were, well, I mean, wasn't McCartney all right? I think they're all decent human beings. I mean, they went through a phase where they were. Lennon was not a decent human being. Unfortunately, he was, yeah, really messed up. You know, once in a while you see a headline and you just have to read the story because the headline is so bizarre. Right. That would be this story. Elizabeth Warren fighting Pocahontas label. 
When the hell's the last time you saw a headline like that? Uh, Trump called her Pocahontas yeah. a while ago. I know, but making fun of her, and now she's well, she, now she's all sad that people are making fun of her lie. I guess. Yeah, she lied about being Native American. That's why he called. Her, well, where did he come up with the idea of calling her Pocahontas? Because, well, because she lied. Yeah, she said she was Native, even though she's not. So he's making not, fun yeah. of that. Well, and remember, now she's paying the price. On top of calling her Pocahontas, he did it in front of a Native. You know, veterans oh, that he was honoring. Right. <laughs> he did. I that's know. That's right. Like, he oh. did it right around. Uh, we should get Pocahontas here with us. <laughs> I mean, did you think that when he ended up taking office that his filters were going to be so bad that he has zero filters? And he has yes. zero filters. I mean, none. I think, I think that's what a lot of people were counting on. Uh, but I mean, none. Him just, you know, none. not even like. Crapping all over everything. Yeah, not even normal, polite society no, stuff. No, nothing. No, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't see that as something particularly offensive because he wasn't talking about a native. He was talking about a white person lying about being native. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It's and Pocahontas still... is probably the most famous Native American woman, don't you think? Probably, yes. Well, Pocahontas well, was well known, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the other one was... Uh... Sojourner Truth or whatever? No, not that. No, not um, Sojourner Truth. The one on the coin. What the hell's her name? Jesus, why can't I think of her name? That's terrible. I'm sure the chat will help. Um, the chat will help. Now, so President Trump is... is uh, Sacagawea, that's it. Sacagawea, oh, there. That's right. Um, it was actually Sacagawea, but everybody mispronounces her name. He's on board with some gun control stuff now? He's going to ban... It's they, they, He said if Congress doesn't ban bump stocks, he's going to. I'm surprised Did bump you? stocks haven't been illegal. They I were. Uh, they were. There was like a... I think they there were, was an eight-year eight period where they were illegal, or five or eight years, and, and then they came back and, uh, and, and violence went down. Gun deaths went down, yep. and then all of a sudden they just came back, and nobody even paid any attention to it. They well, were banned for a while. I, I, I remember looking up this story and wondering why this has never happened. I would like to know who made money out of bringing them back. Which which politician was it that made yeah. big money by allowing them to be legalized again? Can you find that? Because that's what it's all about. It's about politicians making money. That's why the... Or their relatives. Or their relatives, that's true. Or their friends. While you're looking that up, Andy, President Trump's favorite nickname for potential 2020 rival Elizabeth Warren. 2020 rival? Won't they both be 80? Yeah, I don't know about she, that. She, with lying about being a Native American, thinks that she would... What? That's what Should she run? thinks. I know, there's that too. That's, I, I think know. a lot of people still honestly believe that she is like part native because she said that oh, she was and you know yeah. they don't bother she got, doing the research she got funding for college by saying she was native yeah, american she took yep. money from she a from money. a true native american yeah that's, exactly is Come what on. she did because somebody else would have gotten the money if she hadn't lied that's exactly right she should have to pay it back president trump's favorite nickname for potential 2020 rival elizabeth warren yes pocahontas the Massachusetts senator has accused the president of repeating a racial slur. Uh, how about you stealing money from uh, from a native? If that's not a racial no. slur, Jesus. It's not a racial slur People. anyway. Let's deflect. Get over yourself. That's what they do. Uh, but a story in Politico suggests that Warren is not only worried about the controversy, she's actively working to defuse it through a stealth campaign. This effort began with a surprise speech earlier this month to the National Congress of American Indians in which she said she has never used my family tree to get a break or get ahead and then made a promise. Every time someone brings up my family story, I'm going to use it to lift up the story of your families and your communities. 
Warren also um, has met with about a dozen tribal leaders and activists and signed on to a half dozen bills promoting Native American policy. All of this stems from Warren listing herself. Uh, now, here you go. All of this stems from Warren listing herself itself as having Native American ancestry years ago in a staff directory at Harvard Law School, though she has only family stories to back up the claim. So she says she's never used her family tree to get a break or get ahead. Yeah, she used someone else's family tree to get ahead. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) someone else's. Warren's speech has generally been well-received by Native American groups per Politico, though uh, Cherokee writer Rebecca Nagel has a more nuanced assessment. I believe, Warren, that she grew up with stories of distant Cherokee relatives. She writes in the Boston Globe, I just don't see how those stories could be true. Moreover, she doesn't understand how Warren doesn't come to the same conclusion given the mountain of evidence. However, Nagel makes clear she'd like Trump and other non-natives to butt out. Native people are the authority on who is and who is not Native. Uh, Sorry, but you're not. Native people are not the authority on who is and who is not Native, period. No, your bloodline is. I mean, you either are Native or you're not, right? Yeah, to, to me, that's how it works. Well, no group of people can be a judge if you're not Native, that you're now Native. Unless you know. you're an honorary Native. Rachel Dolezal tried to get the word from uh, black Americans, and apparently they've turned on her now. So I don't know what, what she's going to do either. I don't know. I, I just, that whole thing, that whole deal about Rachel Dolezal is black and and Elizabeth Warren is native and or part native anyway, and this is that and that. Look, we had 23andMe done. My brother did it. I am about 800 different things, and every one of them is a honky. That I can tell you. Well, that's not a shock. No, but right? I mean... You can very easily get your 23andMe done and yeah. we can find out who's native and who isn't. It's not hard. Maybe that's what they should just start doing for colleges that people are applying for. Yeah, they absolutely should. Yeah. Where's your proof? Yeah, so let's see if you really are what you say you are. So because she was at Harvard, she had to list herself as, as native because she thought that would uh, behoove uh, her in other people's eyes. Sure. All of this stems from Warren listing herself as having Native American ancestry years ago in a staff directory at Harvard Law School. I mean, just because somebody tells you, well, this is what happened. As a matter of fact, my father used to claim that Christian Barnard was a relative of ours. Remember the, the very famous first heart transplant? Yeah. That was Dr. Christian Barnard in South Africa. Well, my dad tried to claim we were related. No, no, no we're we've, not. We've never been anywhere near South Africa. <laughs> exactly. People can move. Plus the fact, and then I remember my grandmother tried to tried to claim because tried to claim because one of her relatives or one side of her family was named Cronk, <laughs> that she was related to Walter Cronkite. It's like, no, you're not. Wow. Where do you even come up with that? Are they drinking? Uh, Edith was not a big drinker. She was just nuts. Okay, nuts was good enough, don't you think? Well, yes. back then. You either just believed something or you didn't believe it. It, it, was, it was entirely trust. So. Yeah, because it's very hard to prove or disprove something. Yeah, exactly. Back what were you going to do? Like, I you know. know. Remember how fun it was where if you just said something like you really knew yeah. what you were talking about and everybody just agreed with you and thought that that's what it really was. Now everything you say, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, well, Even if you know what you're talking about, don't be people wrong. still don't believe you. Yeah, probably not a bad idea. Well, just for me, a lot of that stems from... A lot uh, in the 90s, back when, uh, you know, before the internet, video games had uh, a whole bunch of urban legends behind them. Like, uh, you know, in The Legend of Zelda, if you beat the game 13 times in a row and then, you know, go to the third temple and bomb this wall, then, I don't know, 
you can play a Zelda or something. Right. And people would spend hours and hours chasing after these fake stories because there was no way to verify them. Uh. Right. So, yeah, um, I've lived my entire life seeing people lie to other people for no real reason. I don't think you're going to stop seeing that anytime soon. No. Well, I do agree with you guys, though, that you should absolutely have to have to go to, you know, Ancestry or 23andMe or whatever. And actually, if you're going to claim something, uh, you're going to have to prove yeah, and it. Yeah, try to get money because of right. it. Right. You're going to have to prove it, and that's just how it is. Or you want, you know, protected status as a, you know, as a person. It's right. like, yeah, you should prove that you really are who you say you are. You can't just... Because what is it, twenty nine ninety nine to prove it? Yeah, yeah not, it's bucks. not expensive. Yeah. Well, even if you are... Like, let's say you are, uh, you know, you're 100% native, but you're, I mean, Elizabeth Warren didn't grow up in poverty or anything. So why should the fact that she is native... Well, she's not. Well, if she was, why would that mean she should get money when she already has money? Shouldn't that go to a... Shouldn't that go to someone... Who is both native and poor? <laughs> I I Most know a woman yeah. who got a basketball scholarship to college, and she's uh, the daughter of one of the wealthiest people. Yeah, I've ever heard of That's in obnoxious. my life. It's true. They're, they're, I've never well, applied to any sort of financial aid or any scholarship or anything like that because I don't feel I would feel bad taking that away. From someone who actually needs it, just because I want to you save You took it away from money. us just fine. I mean, oh! <laughs> I never wanted to go to college. You made me. Oh. I told you it would be a waste, and Good I was job. right. Good job, It's honey. not a waste. In a new Vanity Fair essay, Monica Lewinsky reflects on her scandal with former President Clinton 20 years. You know she's 44 years old now? That is amazing. Yes. That's it? What do you mean that's it? I don't know. I mean, that was a long time ago. Yeah, 20 long years ago. ago. Yeah, well, she was pretty young when that happened. She was only 24. Hence the scandal. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know she was that young. Opening with a chance encounter in late 2017 that rattled her while at a Manhattan restaurant, she ran into none other than Kenneth Starr, the special investigator who turned her into a household name in 1998. This, surprisingly, was the first time Lewinsky had ever met him, and she describes his demeanor as somewhere between avuncular and creepy. <laughs> I like that. He asked multiple times if she was doing okay and kept touching her arm and elbow, which made me uncomfortable. Then Lewinsky told him, and what she later realized was an attempt to elicit an apology, though I wish I had made different choices back then. I wish that you and your office had made different choices too. Starr did not apologize, however. He merely said, I know, it was unfortunate. The anecdote precedes Lewinsky's revelation that she was diagnosed with PTSD several years ago, and she suggests that the nation suffered a similar kind of trauma, both clinically and observationally, uh, something fundamental changed in our society in 1998. I agree. And it is changing again as we enter the second year of the Trump presidency in a post-Cosby, Ailes, O'Reilly, Weinstein, Spacey, whoever is next world, she writes. The nation lost its capacity for mercy, measure, and perspective, and bitter partisan differences settled in. Lewinsky adds that while she has previously described her relations with Clinton as consensual, she has come to realize that that assessment is complicated. Yeah, the pro- there's a power imbalance there. You can't yes. say that. No, I agree. He was the president of the United States, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, these young interns come from all over the country, and they're all starstruck. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. These allegations are false. Liar. <laughs> he called her that woman. 
Yeah, I know. Oh, well, they, what that's jerk. that's what you do is you victimize the victim. That woman just called her that woman. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I it, it's so embarrassing now. You see that uh, Al Franken's trying to clean up his name, saying, "Oh, this uh, it happened too fast," and you got Garrison Keeler who just will not let it go that he was a creep to women. Oh yeah, you said that there was a an article in the oh, Star Tribune another... talking about. How wonderful he is again or something? Well, he's trying to claim that he's all wonderful, but I don't think anybody's believing him. Why are they printing this? Because it's the Star Tribune. Uh, here we go. Sorry, I had to sneeze bless twice. You. Okay, then. Like, there bless you. Bless you, bless you. Keeler calls oh, sexually charged emails romantic writing. Yes, so he romantic writing. Sent emails to someone. Uh, I know. He just thinks he's nuts. Are dirty limericks also romantic writing? Uh, there once was a girl from Nantucket. I'm trying to written find by Garrison Keeler. I'm trying to find the emails themselves. What a loser! You know what you have there, and I know people get very, very angry with me when I say this, but what you have in Al Franken. And Garrison Keillor, a couple of guys who are very well educated. You can't take that away from them. They're both very, very smart. But they're homely men or tiny little men with no ability whatsoever other than with a pen. And they hold that against the world and they always will for the rest of their lives. They just cannot deal with the fact that they're not Marlon Brando or some big uh, superstar athlete. Well, we all feel that way. So shut up. Both of you, you creeps. You're both avuncular and creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Stealing from Monica Lewinsky. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first MyPillow, and I love it. It's very comfortable. stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I've been telling you how easy it has been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. My goal has been to lose 92.5 pounds. Well, I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and I can't wait to shed those extra unwanted pounds. Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss program. It's just so easy, and they guarantee that you will lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. The team at Nutramost in Plymouth will support you every step of the way on your wellness and weight loss journey. Then, after you hit your goal, Nutramost in Plymouth is there for you with the Nutramost Forever Plan, an all-inclusive wellness program that improves and promotes healthy living and choices. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost Plymouth, located just off Highway 55 and 494, call 763-333-7337. That's 763 763- Three 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 seven three three seven. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Let it go. 
this is Elizabeth Warren? Yeah. <laughs> Sir, it, it is she, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, they should. People like Al Franken and, and, and Garrison Keillor need to let it go, but they're never going to let it go because they feel they got screwed by being, you know, they're again, they're not Marlon Brando, and they, they're very pissed off about it. Well, 99.9% of men aren't. Get over it, okay? There it is. Now, let me ask you guys a question. There's a, a section in the Star Tribune or on the Star Tribune uh, page, their website, called Celebrities. Under Celebrities Today, Garrison Keillor shares dozens of emails and asserts banter was mutual, and then Judge dismisses coal company suit against HBO's John Oliver. Would you consider either one of them a celebrity? John Oliver, yeah. He does well enough. Yeah, the term is just... You know, I mean, Big Brother and well, all, yeah. these, all these reality stars who I've never heard of, they go, they're celebrities. Exactly. I mean, yeah, 50 years uh, ago, celebrity meant someone that like yeah, 90% of the country yeah. had heard of. Yeah. Right. At this point, it's even any- if 10% of people have heard of them, I mean, it's a global scale at this point. Right. So, yeah. you know, even I if guess. it's not that popular, it's got a potential audience of 7 billion instead of 300 million. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, do me a favor and look up John Oliver's HBO shows. Uh, what's the name of that show again? Last Week Tonight. Uh, Last Week Tonight by yet another limey bastard who doesn't deserve to be working here. <laughs> Isn't that the full name of it? <laughs> and remember, I'm like half English, so shut up. Or I guess I'm a combination of English, Irish, and Scottish. Did you see that? What? Garrison Keillor shares dozens of emails and... He's not supposed to be doing that if somebody's accusing him of What things. were you just listening to for the last 20 No, minutes? but I mean his attorneys. I'm just looking as his attorneys must be having a meltdown. Honey, we've been talking about this for the last 20 minutes. But I mean, uh, where have you been? I just realized that you can't do this. Sharing the emails? No. If somebody accuses you of something, there's going to be a lawsuit or something. You're not yeah. supposed to be sharing the emails. I wouldn't think so. But he just, like I said, he can't get over it. The fact that he was, that some... Look, first of all, nobody listened to all of his books were bought by NPR anyway. Matter of fact, I think because of him, they had to change. Because of him and Harvey McKay, they changed the way something became a bestseller. Because these guys would go out and buy their own books by the tens of thousands to make them bestsellers, and then everybody else would go, "Oh, this is a bestseller. I should buy this." Yeah, it's shocking how few. Uh, I books know. have to be sold to make it a bestseller. It's like ten thousand or something. Yeah. Incredibly tiny. Yeah. They really need to like re-look at that uh, well, thing. Did he just lose his job, or are there people going after his money, too? No, he just lost his oh, job. Oh, okay, so that's well, why Well, they don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay him anymore, and he still wants to be paid. Oh, because he had a contract with uh, NPR? With, with uh, PBS, no, I PBS. guess, or an NPR. I don't know, NPR. Yeah, in other words, welfare radio and television. <laughs> Well, it's what it is. It's welfare radio and television. They're on the welfare. They're on the dole. And they do all these shows, and you and I pay for them, and a very select few of them watch the shows. Uh, I'm sorry. Have you ever run into anybody outside uh, Washington, D.C., or New York City, or some people in Minnesota that ever liked Garrison Keeler? Yes. I never have. No, I have run never. into quite a few people that like him. Where? Were they all from the East Coast? No. A lot, a lot of people from Minnesota really That's like That's what him. I just said. Honey, mm. you're going to have to get your ears checked. 
<laughs> I well, just I mean, said people from Minnesota. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what are you thinking about? I was just thinking about the people that I know that really like him. Like who? I don't want to say. Why not? Let's <laughs> because you're just told, you just said that they were all jerks for liking let, him. Because I won't let him into my uh, house anymore? No, I'm not going to tell you. Why not? I mean, I don't know thousands, but I know people that really like him. I really don't. I don't know one person that likes Garrison Keillor. Well, what were what were his ratings? I mean, he must have had people listening to no, him. No, it's welfare television. Nobody, they, they don't keep real numbers on that stuff. Well, they kept kept having him on, so people must have enjoyed it, and said that's why. Well, they kept I mean, doing he's a very it. smart guy, and he's a damn good writer. There's no getting around that. He's just not funny. He he always thought he was very very funny. No, he's not the, funny in the least. The only thing I don't like about him is he's so superior and smug. Yeah, he's that really really smug. turns me off when people act like that. So it's called that show's called Last Week Tonight. Is that what it's called? Uh, Mike yep. said it. Okay, well, I got to figure out. I, I'm trying to figure figure out last week tonight ratings. Uh, last They're week not all good. Over. I want to say ratings are terrible. I want to say maybe a million per episode. Uh, it's really hard to find out. It's very hard. Yeah. Last week tonight with John Oliver ratings TV by the numbers. Yeah, that's um, the one you want, I think. Okay, well, I'm I'm trying to find it. And they're talking about everything except for his ratings. Well, that's weird because that was the headline. It was a headline. It's not even on here. Last week tonight with John Can you Oliver. Click ratings. on that headline. I know no. it's really. Oh, that's really bad. A lot of. Uh, that's hilarious. Bait. A lot of sites are yeah extremely horrible. They're really horrible because they don't want you to know what his ratings are. And if you could, you're probably a lot better at searching stuff than I am. Yes, he is very good at this. Oh, mm. look who's paying attention now when she can take a shot at me. Yes, you're right. He's a lot smarter I'm than terrible. you are. I can't find things half the time. <laughs> Backstab. That's all I have to say. I always to think that if you just put keywords in that it should come up, and it doesn't always seem to work. I put in last week tonight TV ratings, and it said last week tonight yeah. TV ratings. I hit it, and that it had did. nothing to do with his ratings. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> what? It has nothing to do with his ratings. I know. Here we go. That's that yeah. search engine optimization stuff. Yeah, it's designed to get clicks and not present information. Well, a year ago is one thing I found. Yeah, old news. But it's, you know, as close as you're going to get, I think. Probably. Uh, The show's fourth season premiere had 1.2 million. That's bad, huh? That's That's not good at all. A a point four share in 1849. There you go. So is anybody watching these talk shows late at night? I mean, is there like one that's standing out? Nope. They all all have around a 1.2, 1.3 million viewer uh, viewership. They've all basically become a cult of personality kind of thing. Yeah, they are. Where the people are just looking for the opinion to, you know, the, the new fashionable thing to hate. What and, did, you know, John Oliver or Colbert will say, right. yeah. hate this this week, and then that's what they'll do. What did yeah, Johnny Carson have in his heyday? Uh, Andy could find that out, but I would guarantee you it's well over $10 million. And there weren't that many people on the planet when probably, he was doing it. Probably more than $20 million. Well, I mean, back when there were only three networks, well, ABC, NBC, and CBS. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mork, and, Mork and Mindy used to draw 70 million viewers I know. a week. That's amazing. <laughs> but in the case <laughs> of John Oliver, I mean, how many people have HBO? Because that's the thing about him. As opposed wow, to Colbert, he's on a CBS. A lot, actually. Really? Uh, because of Game of Thrones. Almost oh. entirely because of oh, Game of Thrones. that's probably true. Um, let's see. I think I've got it here. It is really hard to find facts on the internet now. Yeah, real who made facts. It, who made it that way now? Because you can't find real facts on the internet without going through 
17 layers anymore. You really do have to know how to navigate through all the crap. Terrible. Yeah, because everybody wants you to buy something. Click, uh, click on this. Is this... Should I do another story while you're looking it up? Yeah. Yeah. I could get that done. Uh, what Did the any- hell? Oh, well, here we go. The final week of Johnny Carson's run uh, averaged 19.5 million. Yeah, so it was around 20 million, yeah. Um, but so aver- on average, you probably did about fifteen million because the last week's going to get higher yeah. ratings. So yeah, you know, ten times as much as they're getting now. That's, yeah. You know. But yeah, like you said, Mork and Mindy, which is bad. It's just not good. I thought it was hilarious. It's just not good. Uh, got so many viewers because there was just you know and three networks. But that was I don't, it. Um, there's a case for not having so many shows. I hate everything. There's a case for not having so many shows that it's impossible for any show to gather an audience. Mm, because it's like, you know, there yeah. are a thousand shows out there. If everyone independently finds a show that they like without, you know, going and finding the most popular show, right. they're all going to find a different show. And then no show will have, like, a, a cultural impact. It's like when I was growing up, all anyone ever did was quote The Simpsons because The Simpsons was like... The only thing to watch in our age group. Yeah, it was the water cooler thing. Everybody yeah, wanted, exactly. yeah, wanted to go to work and talk about you know this week's episode. But how popular would The Simpsons have got if no one ever talked about it? It was just, yeah, you watched it and then you didn't hear about it again until next week when you watched it again. Very true. The report is thin, but TMZ says Bill Cosby's 44-year-old daughter, Enza, died Friday in Massachusetts. Oh, it has no specifics on her death. But it says she was in poor health with kidney issues that potentially had her on uh, the transplant list. By way of biography, it reports that she has been a champion of her father in the face of the the sexual assault allegations against him. Quoting her as writing the following in 2017, I strongly believe my father is innocent of the crimes alleged against him, and I believe that racism has played a big role in all aspects of this scandal. Well, you're kidding yourself. Sorry, your father is a rapist. Uh, Cosby's son Ennis died. He was fatally well, shot. Way to, in... way to hit her when she's dead. I'm not hitting anybody when they're dead. I'm hitting her father, who really pisses me off because I was a huge I fan of me his. Me too. 44. That's pretty young to be I on really a transplant yeah. list. I know it's really. And Ennis was shot. Wasn't he changed a tire on his car or something? And somebody shot him. You're kidding. And, I didn't even know about this. And that was already 20 years ago, 21 years ago already. So he's lost, how many kids did he have? Two. Ennis Cosby, 1997. Yeah. Uh, killed in near Interstate 405 in a failed robbery attempt. Oh, my God. Rob, tried to rob him and killed him. And 18 asked. years old. Yeah, I know, he's only oh, 18 years old. Oh, my God. Terrible. I, the whole thing is terrible. That's why, you know, sometimes... All that success and all that money and all the rest of it, sometimes it's just not worth it because... Mm-hmm. Well, I think this in that case, it was just, you know, bad luck. Oh. Well, that was, yeah. Yeah. That was indeed. Life is definitely going to kick you in the teeth once in a while. I guess. Sometimes harder than others. Little Catherine Kaling likely received many thoughtful presents after mom Mindy Kaling gave birth to her in December, but it was the contents of a U-Haul truck sent by Kaling's Wrinkle in Time co-star Oprah Winfrey that the Mindy Project creator is now calling the most amazing gift. Kaling and Winfrey chatted with USA Today about Oprah's special delivery, which Kaling initially thought would be just a nice batch of flowers. But when Oprah told her two guys would be showing up at her home in a moving truck, Kaling decided to play hooky from work to see what she was getting. 
Inside the U-Haul, a hand-carved bookcase prettier than any professional dollhouse you had ever seen, Kaling said, along with 100 classic children's books, with Catherine's Book Club appearing on each tome. Winfrey says she was slightly disappointed on how the bookcase came out, as she wanted it to look like the treehouse Kaling's character hunkers down in in the movie. Now it only looks like a beautiful castle, Kaling teased Winfrey. What a bullshit story that is. Yeah, it sounds like manufactured news. Oh yeah. my God. I know what we're going to do so we can promote yeah. Oprah. Oh, you're wonderful. No, you're more wonderful than I am. Yeah, oh, no, I'm pretty wonderful, but you're wonderful. It's gross. It's just gross. I, Ugh. I, I mean, I just have such a hard time with Oprah was selling mashed potatoes at the grocery store. It's like, how much money do you need, lady? How much do you need? She's got a lot of stuff just going on, there's no doubt about it. God. I got a lot of stuff going on, and I, I like the fact that she's doing the Weight Watcher spots, but isn't on it herself. <laughs> I, and I'm not taking a shot at her. I'm just saying, don't you think if you're selling Weight Watchers, and if you need to be on it yourself, you should be on it too? Well, I thought I, she might be even bigger if she wasn't eating her own mashed like, potatoes. I'm on Nutramost right now, and I, I promote Nutramost, but I'm on Nutramost, so that's quite a difference. You know, if you're on it, that'd be really helpful. Well, I think I think that... Oprah, Oprah, Oprah's popularity came from her struggling with her weight. To tell you the uh, truth, probably not, true. Not not that's, just the spiritual and you know the whole, you know, be your own bliss and all that kind of stuff, be your own or whatever bliss, this, her uh, saying. God. She had a lot of sayings back in those days, but that whole she's she's one of us. She struggles with her weight like a real person. And yeah, back in true. those days, celebrities yeah. didn't really do that. Yeah, that's very true. You know, so. I think that I think her weight struggles are yeah, really her, her way of making her comeback. Makes her more human. That's absolutely. for sure. Well, you're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. That that kind of thing does make people go, oh, well, she's kind of just like me. Mm-hmm. Celebrities were very untouchable until yes. pretty recently. They yeah. basically, well, I mean, that's where the term celebrity comes from. Is basically they were from they came from you know outer space, and yeah. you'll never touch them because they're not really. Of this planet. Right. God, I'll never forget. In 1984, I used to go down to Chicago, cut a lot of voiceover stuff. So I'd be staying at hotels down there, and I'd tune in the Oprah Winfrey show. And it was basically an even harsher version of the Jerry Springer show. People would get in fist fights and throw stuff at each other. What? That show changed quite a bit when it hit the... Uh, I think when it first came on networks, uh, King World, or in syndication anyway, it was still pretty rough and tumble, but then they decided to to dial that back. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. And while other sellers and real estate agents hibernate, the Chris Lindahl team is selling homes like hotcakes. Chris has done a great job. We have our house on the market with Chris right now, as a matter of fact. And the video he did is amazing. The Chris Lindahl team is America's number one REMAX results team for a reason. They play to win, and they've got the skilled players to sell your home fast. In fact, they sell a home on average every nine hours for over the MLS average. Don't wait until spring to sell your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. 
That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now, get the free staging package, and grab the opportunity before winter is over. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Oh, really? It's an old thing to be an all-clever man. It works for me. Is this a... Signal that the guest is on? Yep. It's the signal the guest is on, I would assume. Rob Lucy with us, ladies and gentlemen. How you will will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? A guide to creating and enjoying your legacies now. Kind of a coincidence, uh, Rob, because you don't mind if I call you Rob, do you? That would be great. <laughs> All right, Rob Lucy with us, ladies and gentlemen. We were just talking about, uh, apparently it's a big story again today, that Elizabeth Warren is... Uh, is trying to turn things around. She's going around to different Native American uh, groups and talking to them because she claimed to be Native American apparently when she was at Harvard. And then, of course, the President of the United States, uh, Donald Trump, kept going after her and calling her Pocahontas because she. it turns out she's not Native at all. Um, I have a question for you about this. And, and this, if this is outside your purview, then... I, you don't have to answer this question. It's just I thought it would be an interesting question. As far as funding is concerned for college educations and things like that, or funding for just about anything, isn't it pretty easy now to prove what and who you really are? Or you talk a lot about DNA testing shortcomings. So is, is it? it's not that easy, apparently, to find out exactly who you really are. Am I well, right I about did that? mine. Yeah, I did mine, Tom. Um, so I, you find the percentages as it is in your DNA, and generally all of us began our trek out of Africa and ended up going where we're going over the thousands of years. Um, right. But I, I, I couldn't, uh, the folks at Ancestry would help you out, but to, tell, to say that indeed your, your Aboriginal, your Native blood is a few generations away is something <laughs> yeah, a little out, outside of my scope. Um, I, I found out that I was my, my our last stop was 38% Irish, so I kind of sort of knew that because I had pictures of my great grandparents. But um, I don't know if it's uh, it, it doesn't make me Irish. I don't think, but uh, there's some some of that um, Celtic blood flowing in me. So I, you know, whether or not right. Elizabeth or anybody else can say, "Hey, I'm 17% Native American, and I deserve the rights of that," that's something that uh, I'm going to stay away from. <laughs> Well, that's why I said, yeah, you know, if, if it's outside your uh, something you want to talk about, I certainly understand. Um, what, it's what also, kind of, also the kind of fact mean... that I'm, I'm, I'm from the north of the 60s, so I'm a Canadian, so it wouldn't be right for me to make comments on, uh, <laughs> on, uh, on U.S. politicians, I don't think. Oh, I don't know. They, you can make a comment on any politician in the world if you want. I'm not a huge fan of pretty much any of them. I don't know. They're just I would do, a little too. I would do uh, that when I wasn't on the air, though. I think Tom. Yeah, I understand that, Rob. What the? Uh, what kind of name is Lucy? Do you know the That's, derivation uh, of Lucy is a lot? Well, as far as it came from uh, Normandy, and then uh, there's a, a whole bunch of them in in Ireland. And as I say, I've got a picture of my great grandparents, and they were they were Lucys. And I did a little genealogical research. 
I'm not a, I'm not a genealogist, but um, I wanted to uh, learn some stories. So that's where when I when I found out about my percentage of DNA, I don't know if any of you you folks have done it, but it's it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And but I was the, no, the, the the part that I missed was that I get DNA and it can tell me about me now and maybe I can be matched up with people of the same DNA who end up being your long lost brother that you never knew you had. That happens, but it doesn't mm-hmm. tell me anything about the stories of of my great grandparents as I look at the picture of them or any of my family probably back three generations or so. I, I don't learn about the stories they uh, the stories of their lives the toughness mine mine came over from Ireland as many of the, well a lot of North America did and um, landed in our mine went to some awful land in northern Ontario where the mosquitoes were as big as your fist and uh, and I was I was there we found the outline <laughs> of their cabin but I don't know how their what their life was like because they never left anything for us and so that was part of my book I want to know the stories of of of, uh, of my ancestors. So, but we're not going to get them because they didn't have video, they didn't have audio. They were probably illiterate anyway because um, they just were, mm-hmm. and so they didn't leave the stories of their lives behind for us. But we have that; all of us have that big advantage with technology now and digital technology that we can create and tell tell the stories of our lives and kind of have a smile, knowing that 100, 200, 300 years from now, our descendants will see us and look at us and say, "Hey, that's great, 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 great Grandpa Tom. Wow, he's a." Good-looking guy, isn't he? Back then, in the year 2018. So it's, well, now you can we tell we've technique. never met Rob. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen you. I've seen you. He goes, "Oh, I've seen, I've seen you." <laughs> it is interesting how this is basically the first time in history uh, that humans will persist beyond death. Uh, you know, except for the one percent of people who did something extremely you know remarkable uh but back then i mean even back a hundred years ago if you were just some like farmer or something once you were gone pretty much that was it there was you know nothing left no records or anything but now you can be a farmer and also a youtube star who has 20 million views a um, week it's uh very different than how it used to be and I would bet technology is probably going to let one of our descendants, a couple hundred years from now, dial up one of us, and we will appear in a hologram and be able to talk to them. I bet you oh, that'll I bet happen. you're right. I was thinking that about would... that, actually. That's, that's a recent thing I've been wondering about is, you know, if you have enough of someone's mannerisms, you know, out there on videos or whatever, then with sufficient enough technology, uh, you could make an AI that is indistinguishable from the real thing based on how that person in real life responded to various you know stimuli or questions or whatever yep yep that's a so little scary like immortal almost and i and i if we can do that that's great it's, it's, it's passing the stories i wrote the book uh, how will you be remembered because I, I wanted to change the idea of what legacy is everybody most people you say legacy and they get a dark feeling because it's about dark it's about death and and then money it's about right, packaging right. up the packaging up the stuff for the kids, and I want to change that because it's not about that. It's about what we do that um, that connects us to others today. It, it it enhances all the lives that our legacies touch, and we can get into what they can be. Um, it makes you happy, and um, and it puts a smile on your face when you're breathing that last smile to know you're leaving some good stuff behind that'll continue to enhance lives. Part of it is what we've been talking about, this, our stories. Um, when we pass those stories mm-hmm. down, it's, um, yeah, it, it has you live on a little bit and, and just 
it's the the fun for for our descendants to see who we were just like i can't see who my great-grandparents are but now we have the ability to get it done yeah it's absolutely true yeah by coincidence there was a story that came out on friday rob uh, did you hear about that uh, california state university student anya hedish have you heard about her you know what? I was in the bush in Alaska over the weekend, so I, I didn't. You I'm were? a little short on news right now. Yeah, yeah, Alaska and the Yukon. Well, well, I'm trying to figure out Why? how this could possibly happen. A woman has revealed how a science experiment during a biology class led to her classmate finding out her dad wasn't her real father. California State University student Anya Hedish. 19 from San Bernardino, California, took to the microblogging site to share details about what happened and explained that during an 8 a.m. biology class, the students were discussing blood type. She revealed that while discussing blood types, a classmate couldn't figure out why her blood type didn't make sense. Her dad's blood type was type O, her mother was type A, and yet she was AB. Yeah, not possible. Her professor told her that is not possible, so it was found out, apparently, by the fact that it was not possible that her mother had an affair with her husband's brother. Now, the problem I have with that is Classy. wouldn't the husband's brother have the exact same blood type as her husband? No, not necessarily. Oh, really? Not necessarily. If their parents were both A, B, then one could be A and one could be B, for example. Well, or her parents didn't know what their blood type was and just said something. That's also possible. She told yeah. the professor her dad was O and her mom was A, and yet she was AB. My prof explained that's impossible, that she's confused on the blood types or something. She even drew out the different, uh, was it Punnett squares to show her? Yep. Blood type is based on the presence. So this woman found out because they were goofing around with blood types in class that her, apparently her father now divorced her mother. Now. Oh my well, God. yeah, why wouldn't you? Filed for divorce, I should say. That that is by total coincidence that 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 story just came out this morning. If you had an affair and didn't know who the father of your child was for sure, wouldn't you say like, "Oh, I can't give you my blood type because I have you know HIV or something"? Sorry, (laughs) just make something up. Because you know, if you you'd have to know that there's a pretty good chance that she would find that out. Now, Rob, I need to ask you a further question. This is based on (laughs) my personal experience. Okay, my, my uh, we had that 23 and me, that whole thing. We had that thing done. Yep. And I literally am from every place white people are from. Honest to God. It's like any <laughs> country in Western Europe that white people are from, I'm part that. But uh, is that, I, I suppose that's pretty normal, isn't it? That a lot of Europeans move back and forth and. In, in Europe, from Eastern Europe, Western Europe. Mostly I'm from Western Europe, though. I don't think I'm, I'm from Eastern Europe at all, whereas my wife is. But I uh, I found that interesting that, that, like I said, wherever white people are from, I'm part that. It's, it's an amazing thing. You said you uh, are Irish, but also 20% South Asian. Dashes of African, Italian, Grecian, Scandinavian thrown in. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. See, your family well, got around of, a lot more than mine did. I'm the Heinz 57 of the Caucasians roaming the continent over the last <laughs> couple of decades. But uh, as I say, it, 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 what this shows us is a whole bunch of curiosity. I mean, it is kind of cool to find out, here's the DNA. Here's the DNA in me. And I can match my DNA mm-hmm. to somebody who's also living in the world. And maybe we end up being brother and sister. We don't know about our long-lost right. cousins or something. 
Um, but I, but I, the one thing that it doesn't do, as I said, is, is tell me the stories of, of these people and where we have the ability to do that. So, um, yeah, it was cool to find out. I, it made sense to me to find out that I was 37% Irish because I know my great-grandparents came over from mm-hmm. South Cork, but that's all I know. And, um, and I don't know if I'm going to learn anything more about them because it's, it's, they're gone. They're, they're 150 years aside. So um, the reason I'm, 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 we're talking, I think, is that I, I want to ensure that my story and your story, I did a, I did a, a, a book of my father, and that, that will now go down for the, through the decades, I hope, and the, and the centuries to say, okay, here's who he was. Um, and we all have that ability to, to tell our own story or to tell the story. You've, you've probably gone to a, a celebration of life and said, jeepers, we should have grabbed his story or her story. It led a fascinating right. life, but, right. but now the stories are gone. So my whole thing was to change uh, the idea of, as they say, legacy from money and death to let's collect these stories and, and uh, send them down the line. Yeah, they could be a YouTube channel. They could be a hologram. They could, who no, Lord knows what it's going to become in the next few years. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, they, and they're fun to collect, too. I, I've had experiences where, say, an old, well, an older person, not real old, but I think this, this one fellow was 72, and uh, he said, I don't have any stories to tell. So it's just you kind of need the dough a little bit. Well, pretty soon the river breaks. And the stories are flowing fast and furious, and it was really beneficial and healthy for him. And this happens all the time, and they're because they'd never so the been di- asked for their stories. Right, right. So the digital age has changed all that now. Whether, I mean, most people you can find out a lot about anyone now just by going on your computer and doing a little research. Whether they want you to find out or not, it's pretty easy to find things out about people nowadays. So or, I would imagine could- the digital age is out. Or you can put your iPhone in front of weird old Uncle Harry and say, Uncle Harry, tell me about your family. And all of a sudden, the laundry starts coming out, and it's hilarious and fun and, and great to listen to. And Tell me, Harry, Uncle Harry, tell me about the time you burned down the barn. Well, he'll tell you that story, too. <laughs> well, that's nice. And to, and to collect these to collect these in audio or video or print is, is, part, is one strand of, of legacy. And um, uh, just to, to collect those stories that you don't want to disappear, and you can do it in any technology I do. I think it's wonderful. I think what you're talking about and what you're doing is a great idea because people, I can't go past, well, I did meet my my great-grandmother. She lived to be 104 years old, and I met her when I was four years old. And when I thought about that, I, I never considered it until recently, to tell you the truth, Rob, that my great-grandmother was born before Abraham Lincoln was president. So I actually met a human being and was held by a human being that was that was born before Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States. <laughs> she was uh, she was born before Minnesota was a state. That's amazing. I mean, wow. That stuff, that stuff is it fascinates me as much as I think it fascinates you, Rob. And I love the work you're doing. How will you be remembered a guide to creating and enjoying your legacies now? I think it's a terrific idea, Rob, a really good idea. And here's my promise to you. After three chapters, you'll be able to write your story that you will be hugely proud of. When I did mine, and it's easy to do, there are a variety of ways to do it, I put it in my drawer. Just It's a little piece of print. I may do something else. But I was, I was, I was amazed at how, how fulfilled I felt. Now I've got the story of mm-hmm. my life, what I think I've done, in a drawer. And if I get hit by a herd of water buffalo tomorrow, <laughs> this will be there. <laughs> and it's a, it's a list or two of, of what other legacies I think I've left. So my eulogist won't have to guess about what the heck I've done. They can just open up this thing and say, this is what Rob thought he did. It was, so it was, it was good for me, and it was um, hopefully one day when I do say goodbye. 
it'll be good for the crowd. I think it is wonderful. Rob, thank you so much for your time. Great, great idea. Rob Thanks, Lucy, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great day, sir. Thank you. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show.